Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. All right. Good morning. We begin a new book of the Old Testament today as we begin our study through the book of Leviticus. And and this is an important part that we've come to because, let's just be honest, um, many, many people attempt to read through the Bible um, and and don't make it. And if we're honest, uh, the book of Leviticus is one of those places that so many people get tripped up on. Genesis, we've got the book of beginnings, it's familiar stories, Adam and Eve, um, Noah and the flood, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. These stories that we're pretty familiar with, um, with, with fascinating uh, twists and turns, and Exodus, uh, Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the burning bush, um, and, and the exodus of God's people from, from Egypt. And again, a lot of history and stories there that we're familiar with and, and that, are, that are pretty exciting to read. When we come to Leviticus, it's admittedly harder. Um, a lot of details, um, a lot of, of things explaining sacrifices that are, that are very hard for our um, minds to fully grasp with the world we live in today. Um, and so Le- Leviticus is, is a little challenging to get through. And so I would just say, though, um, I think it's eight days that we spend reading through Leviticus, so it goes pretty quickly. But don't let your mind just mindlessly read through this. Um, let me encourage you to read Leviticus carefully. Uh, approach it knowing um, that it's harder. It's a, it's a harder book to read. It's a harder book to grasp and understand. It's a harder book maybe to find uh, application. Uh, I'm going to do my best to help you with that. But, but approach it carefully. Read it thoroughly. Uh, read it worshipfully. And for many who have tried to read through the Bible before, you just know this is a part of the Bible that maybe has derailed you in the past. And so approach it with, with fresh commitment um, and with fresh desire to see what the Lord would have for us. So as we begin looking here at Leviticus chapters 1 to 4, five observations. Um, and the, the observations today are kind of a big picture flyover that I hope will help you not only with today's reading, uh, but with the next week's reading. Number one, the Lord explains in detail how sacrifices are to occur. The Lord explains this in detail. Now, again, for us, this is something we're not accustomed to being a part of our life, of course, because Christ has fulfilled these things. But understand when you read this through the lens of the people of God in the Old Testament, the detail is extremely helpful. What does God want? How do we approach God? What are His terms? And so the detail would be extremely helpful and a real grace of God to give to his people this detail so they know how to approach him. And the Lord explains in detail how these sacrifices are to be. Secondly, God's people have been given the law, that's Exodus, but will need to deal with their sin. That's Leviticus. So God creates in Genesis, gives the law in Exodus, and now the very next thing is what do we do when we break the law? Um, God's people had a standard. 
Um, but because of sin, God's people are going to fall short of that standard. As Romans tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the question becomes, when people break the law of Exodus, are they just out of hope? Is this a situation where once you sin, you're done? Or is this a situation where sin's not that big of a deal to God? Well, thank the Lord in grace. It's not a case of once you sin one time, it's over for you. But it's also not true to say that sin's not that big of a deal. It is. And so what we see as the Bible unfolds is we're told where we came from, how we got here, Genesis, how God's people are to live and the law they are to keep, Exodus. Then, what do we do when we fall short? It's really an incredibly important question to know the answer to. What do we do when we fall short? And Leviticus helps God's people in the Old Testament know the answer to that question. Number three, God cares about the details of our worship. Today, you read the first four chapters of Leviticus, and though um, it's a different kind of reading and it's a world far removed from us, you certainly can't come away with anything other than this conclusion. God cares about the details of our worship. And while our worship looks a little bit differently because of Jesus and because of the cross and the empty tomb, the character of God has not changed. He still cares today about the details of our worship. So as you consider your own personal worship, as you consider the worship your church is a part of in a congregational sense, remember God cares about those details. And it's extremely important that our worship is God-centered, not man-centered. A fourth observation. There are three offerings that are described here in the early parts of Leviticus that are voluntary, um, and there are two offerings that are required. So let me break those into two observations. Number four, the fourth observation I would say is three offerings are voluntary, the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the peace offering. And Leviticus describes those. Our fifth observation is that there are two offerings that are required, the sin offering and the guilt offering. So overall, five specific offerings that are outlined here early in Leviticus, three required, uh, two required, three are voluntary, and it walks you through the details of those offerings. So the question is, what does this mean for us today? Are there applications for us here in the first four chapters of Leviticus? And of course there are. Number one, always approach God as he has lined out. I can't say that strongly enough. Always approach God as he has lined out. Your life needs to be looking to the scripture to say, what does God call me to do? Your family needs to look and say, how has God called us to live? Our churches need to say, how has God told us to worship him and to approach him? Number two, which it leads to this second application, that worship can be pleasing or displeasing to God. Now, that's really uh, an important thing for you to consider here in the first pages of Leviticus. If God's going to give his people all of this detail, here are the different kinds of sacrifices. Here's how you do it. 
here's the animals you need, uh, here's the people involved, here's what it looks like. If God cares about that, it lets us know that, that there's a way to worship that pleases Him, namely, doing it His way according to His Word. But if that's true, then the opposite's true, that if you are approaching the Lord not according to His will, then your worship, uh, in quotes, your worship is not pleasing to Him. Well, again, the details of our worship look different today after Christ and the cross, but the character of God is unchanged, and there still is today worship that's pleasing to God, and it's still the, that which is done according to His Word, or worship that is not pleasing to God, worship not according to His Word. And so we could say a whole lot about that, but let me just, just give one quick um, New Testament example of this. In the book of James, at the end of chapter 1, it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So religion or worship, same idea there in James 1, our religion or our worship or our worship that's pleasing to God is how we care for people. Okay? That's part of what is required for our worship to be pleasing to God. And the takeaway from that is if there's worship that's pleasing to God, that necessarily means there's worship that's not pleasing to God. So God's not going to be fooled just because you showed up to church if your heart's not right. God's not going to be fooled if you read your Bible, but you're not looking to obey it. So worship can be pleasing to God or displeasing to God. A third application today, there are different kinds of sin that we need to be aware of. So it walks through uh, in the early pages of Leviticus, these different kinds of sin that people commit. In the same way, that's true for us. There's different kinds of sin that we commit. Uh, we speak of sins of commission, things that we do that are wrong. We think of sins of omission, things that we don't do that we should. We have sins of the heart where we do the right thing, but our heart or our motive is wrong. Um, there, there are times where we sin, and maybe we don't even know it, what Leviticus speaks of, um, these, these sins that, that were committed you know, by God's people uh, that, that they weren't aware were sins. Well, in our case, that happens to us because uh, if we've not read the Word, there, there may be sins that we commit out of ignorance, but it's because we haven't read the Word uh, as we should have. And had we have read the Word and, and been paying attention, um, we would have known what to do. In the book of Leviticus, just for example, chapter 4 here, verse 2, if anyone sins unintentionally, well, sometimes we may sin unintentionally because we do something wrong that we didn't know, but the Bible speaks to it. So, um, we have sins of commission, sins of omission, sins of attitude or motive, and then sometimes sins that come out of a lack of study or lack of reading of God's Word. Number four, a fourth application, Christ is the ultimate sacrifice that removes sin. You're reading today in Leviticus all about um, this sin that's put outside the camp. Well, that same imagery is picked up 
in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11. Um, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. You read about that in Leviticus. Hebrews goes on. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. So Christ is that ultimate sacrifice. All these sacrifices pointing to Jesus as he is the ultimate sacrifice that removes uh, our sin. And then, understanding from Hebrews how Leviticus is pointing toward this ultimate sacrifice of Christ leads us to a fifth and final application today that our sacrifice today is our praise, our lives, and our service unto God. Staying in Hebrews 13, verse 15, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, so it's our praise, and to share what you have, um, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So it's our praise, it's our lives, and it's our service unto God. That's the sacrifices we offer today. And just in in wrapping up Leviticus 1-4, to notice even the, the wording here in Hebrews 13. Uh, when you're reading Leviticus, Hebrews just goes so side by side with it. When you're reading Hebrews, it takes you often back here to the Old Testament. So just notice at the end of this verse here, Hebrews 13, verse 16, this is the kind of sacrifice we're to offer God. And notice it says, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Again, driving home the same point we've already made, that there is a worship that's pleasing to God and a worship that is not pleasing to God. So strive to make sure you're doing um, things that are pleasing to Him. And then finally, our summary from Proverbs 14, 1-18. I'm picking up on one of my very favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 4, that says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes from the work of the oxen. Uh, my summary is simple. Life is messy, but it is worth it. If you don't have any oxen, your manger's clean. It looks good, it smells good. However, when it comes time to work the fields, you're going to wish you had oxen to help do the work. Well, in the same way, um, if you want to keep your life clean, no mess, don't get married, don't have kids, don't have friends, don't serve. You can keep everything in your life really, really clean and simple. However, much good comes from that mess. So life is messy, but it's worth it. If the Lord wills for you to be married, it's a great blessing. If he wills for you to have kids, it's a great blessing. None of that's going to be easy. It's going to all be messy, but it's a great blessing. Having friends can be difficult, but it's a great blessing. Serving in ministry, using your spiritual gifts for the good of the church has a price to pay, but it's worth it. Uh, Life is messy, but it's worth it. So Um, As you embark on this new book of the Bible, Leviticus, today, uh, read carefully, read thoughtfully, read worshipfully, um, and and I pray above all that you look to see how can you honor the Lord as you worship Him. Enjoy the reading.